but Jeannie Buss or the Buss family is cleaning the arena, cleaning the jerseys, making sure the brand is on point, having great restaurants that people like based on what the customers care about in the arena. The fourth step is uh, LeBron and the Lakers right now will go out and practice the plays. They are testing plays before they play the opponent. And they figure out what plays will work and what plays won't work. And then they go play the game. Every sports team follows this five-step system. Every political marketing, uh, every political campaign follows this five-step system. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Philip Stutz. Um, Philip, for anybody who missed the first part, um, I, I would highly recommend them going back and hearing about you know, helping with 1,200 political campaigns, including three presidential ones <laughs> that uh, were winners. Um, how you've brought that knowledge over to the business world, your book, Fire Them Now, which I just uh, bought and started reading. I highly recommend. Um, and I want to talk more about this idea of um, how when it comes to getting customers to buy, which is a primary concern of most CEOs, right? Um, how to get more customers to buy and how to have the ones I have keep buying, right? Um, this idea of maybe spending more time worried about what the customer wants instead of uh, the good ideas that we, we think up on our own, right? And this obsession with data. Um, and, and the one tangent I want to take before we get back into that is I want to talk about, you know, if someone does do the right data research and they do the right testing and they, they have got the message down, this idea of phase two, getting that message out. You know, I see pictures of you with Gary Vaynerchuk and James Altucher and got Peter Diamantis holding up your book and people like that that I follow. You're obviously on MSNBC and CNN and all these all these uh, different uh, major media channels. Can you talk a little bit about the idea of, um, again, assuming somebody, maybe they work with you to get the right data, however they do it, um, they've actually tested and they've got something that is resonating with their ideal audience. Just some of your philosophy of breaking through the noise and not making like, you know, hiring a 21-year-old intern to come be your social media person and try and get the word out by making fluff posts on Facebook. But like, I mean, you, you've really got to the highest level with, with uh, the people who are nationally known and the media organizations that are nationally known. So, look, I, I, we are living, if you and I were looking at a video, if we were looking at each other right now through video, um, I would be holding up my phone and saying, everybody's telling you, uh, hey, you know, all the eyeballs are on the phone, on your mobile device, so you've got you to gotta advertise there. That, that, to me, is not the key. The key is that we lack any kind of emotional connection because everybody's buried their nose in their phone. Um, and so creative has to be data-backed. But it also has to make an emotional connection. And again, I come from the world of politics where all we ever think about is how do our ads emotionally connect to voters. That's the only way we can win, right? Um, and I'll, I'll give you um, a couple examples of that, right? So uh, we have a uh, – on the corporate side. So we have a – we work with a, uh, a supplement healthcare, health food company. Uh, an eight-figure company, and they I, – I encourage all of my clients 
to invest in message testing uh, of comparative advertising. I call it comparatizing. Um, we, in politics, right, uh, there's the, the art of the negative ad. Everybody hates the negative ad because in politics, we whack people over the head with our ads, right? That is not, it's the principles the same, the execution's completely different. What if you were able to draw a comparison in your creative that's based on data of the customer uh, that didn't offend anybody, but drew loyalty and higher sales. And that's what we find every time we are doing case uh, we are doing case studies everywhere with our comparatizing ads where we're finding this. For example, this particular health food company, when we looked at their data, we overlaid something like 250,000 customer records and, of, of this health food company. We found a couple interesting things. I'll just name two of them to start out. One is... 50% of their customer base, hundred, you know, over 100,000 of their customer base were vegan and vegetarian. Now, you could say, well, they're a supplement and health food company. That makes sense. How would you know that unless the data told you that, right? How would you know what the percentage was? So knowing that they have 50% of their customer base is vegan and vegetarian, we're like, okay, we're going to test some vegan vegetarian ads, right? We ended up <clears> – <throat> we also found out that their customer base – Hated soda. Don't ask me how. I have no idea. But we found out that they hated soda. Again, com in a common sense, that makes sense, right? Because this is a health food company and, and supplement company, right? So we're like, oh, well, that, that does make sense, but how would you know something that specific? So we decided to test. We ended up testing 10 different concepts, 10 different messages based on the data. The number one – uh, none of the tests were positive. One was uh, a sort of a comparatizing ad, right? Uh, of the nine positive ads we ran, vegan vegetarian was the number one performing ad. Number one, uh, and it makes sense, 50% of your customer base – uh, touting that you have a vegan, vegetarian, uh, protein powder, and supplements, and all that stuff, it, it crushed, right, on the test phase. Now, if I'm just to compare the, com the comparative ad to the vegan ad, right, here's what we found. The, the, the comparative ad was uh, an anti-soda ad. That ended up getting two times the clicks as the vegan, vegetarian ad, the top-performing positive ad. And it got 20% higher conversion rate over the vegan vegetarian ad. Not the other ads we tested, the top performing positive ad. And so why, how do we know that? The data told us, and then we found a way to draw a comparison where no one was offended. No one in their customer base was offended that we did an anti-soda ad. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, on a different – and here's why – Monitoring the analytics and the data is so important. So we work for a major apparel company, and uh, we went out and in that same uh, with them, we worked through all their data of all their customers, and we ran the same thing. Two types of ads. One was a positive ad, and it was a social proof ad. So uh, the ad highlighted five-star reviews and legitimate um, comments that were about the product, right? You know, like I, one of them, I think, said something like ridiculously comfortable. My wife and kids all started to steal it. And then there were five stars underneath that ad, right? Um, that, and we ran that particular ad and then we ran a comparative ad. The comparative ad said, and the, it, here's what we found. The, the, the data told us in this apparel company that their customer base wanted high quality apparel. So we thought, hey, let's go after and take a whack at the big shoe companies, 
that are making apparel. So the ad was stop buying your clothes from a shoe company. And then the tagline was just don't do it, right? The That's a very famous <laughs> tagline. Just do it. We said just don't do it. So is anybody offended? Are you offended by that particular uh, message? I'm not offended, but I'm right. interested to find out if Nike's lawyers wanted to be no, offended. No, it, it didn't draw any lawyers. It didn't <laughs> okay. draw any lawyers. Okay. But the thing is, you would – all right, so – but those two ads we've said would make an emotional connection, right? We the we found in the data people wanted to make uh, – wanted proof that you know that they were, they were going to spend on high quality. They wanted proof, so we made a social proof ad. And then we found that they didn't like sort of Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, all that stuff. So we went and did a negative ad. Here's what we found. This is crazy. Hold on. You got to listen to this. All right. So women went crazy on the social proof ad, crazy on the social proof ad. By the way, there was an interesting stat that just came out. Uh, Wharton School of Business came out and said 50% of all purchasing decisions right now uh, need a third-party validation, need social proof. So people are looking for reviews everywhere right now. So we just highlighted that. Women click through that at uh, – I mean the, the click-through rate was just completely insane. But guess what? They did not click through the comparative ad, but men crushed the comparative ad. I think we were getting like one cent per click, and the whole key to this thing is this. It's not trying to get a click. No one – for the most part, you can't run a marketing campaign right now. And think, I'm just going to put up an ad and people are going to immediately buy my product or service. That's not how it works. You have to get them into a retargeting pool. That's the key to the whole thing. If you want to know what I'm completely obsessed with right now, Jess, is retargeting pools. And so what we were able to do at a very cheap cost is figure out what creative from the data was going to get people into this retargeting pool very, very quickly. Now, this is where this story gets super interesting. Once they got in the retargeting pool, men – typically bought within four impressions. That means getting to see the ad four more times. Women on the social proof ad that they clicked on immediately took eight impressions to make a purchase on average. Sorry, can you say those stats again? Men took how many? Women took how many? Four impressions for men once they got into our retargeting pool and women eight impressions. And why that's important is now I'm looking again at the data and the data says this message works. But something wasn't getting women to uh, to to do the you know to make a transaction. Well, you know what? They needed emotional connection, a bigger emotional connection. They needed to have again the whole ad was social proof. They needed more validation in order to make a purchase. Men just were like, yeah, I'll buy it. Like you know, like it was like they were more. uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of laughing at this end because. Every time I buy anything expensive on Amazon, my wife wants to know how many how many reviews it had and what the number was. And I was like, I don't know, I didn't look. She's like, you didn't look. You know, you, go, you are literally my shining example, right? So, uh, so here's what the data is now telling me: that women need to be have a more connected story tied to it with this company. So. I want to now go create create videos that tell an authentic story that resonates with those women customers because video is going to convert quicker than banners. Men were very okay with banners. They didn't care about the video, right? So we're like, cool, we can save a lot of money and get great returns. Now, on the women ad, here's the crazy thing, the final result uh, of what we did. Um, before we started running the social proof ad, the average – 
first purchase for women was $55 at this apparel company, this e-com apparel company, right? $55. After the social meet, the social proof ad ran its full course, the average purchase amount went up to $92, went from 55 to 92, $37. Now, we also know from this business that the lifetime value of a customer is over a two to three year span and it's double the first purchase. So I just took them from $110 lifetime value for that customer to 184. We also were able to get them to convert at a 45% lower cost per purchase. So my point is, is that I use data to use connective creative, like creative that, that resonates with the consumer. And then I'm completely optimizing 24 seven to look at this data and figure out what's working and what's not. And by the way, we have a dashboard that all of our corporate clients can look in real time and monitor all their ads and look at it as well. So if we don't see something that they see, they can point it out and bring it to us. And so we're all like hovering over this dashboard 24 seven. And I love that because it goes back to what you said, Jess, earlier. I just, that's what we do in politics. We, we work 24 seven. So I can now track these things 24 seven and optimize. I don't say, Hey, let's run it, let it run for six weeks and then we'll make a, we'll make a change or we'll make some adjustments. No, I can make, I can pivot in 24 hours if I need to. And that's the key to why you use data and analytics and tie it all into the messaging and creative. Okay. I love this. I want to take it. I want to take it. I want to give people another example. Um, so thinking about these wins that you've had and, and for everyone listening and myself included, trying to translate it to, okay, you know, later on today or tomorrow, if I want to do things different at my business, how do I start applying this? Right? So, yeah, right. um, can we do this? L let's treat me like the Guinea pig. I'll tell you about, uh, sure. I'll tell you about our business and then we can kind of game plan it and maybe people can, can see how they can start connecting those dots if that's okay. Yep. Okay. So, um, after M&A at Citigroup, I used to run a private equity fund in Canada. We bought energy investments and brought, you know, renewable energy technologies over from Europe and stuff like that. But my partners and I were, we've been working for about a year. We're just about to launch our own real estate investment trust. Okay. We're going to buy boring, reliable cash flowing apartment buildings. Okay. Nobody's getting rich, but it's kind of like, you know, safe, safe, good money for the long term. You can count on kind of an approach. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, later this month or early next month, we'll have our Regulation D 506C offering so that we can we can actually solicit, we can actually advertise a private investment to accredited investors, right? And then probably take us six months with the Securities Commission to get a Regulation A plus offering. So it's like a they call it IPO light, okay? So it's so we'll be able to market to anybody in America. Uh, you well, we can market to anybody. But we, we'll be able to take investments from anybody. Not just the yeah to buy three, into the fund, right? Yeah, right. not just the three percent of Americans that are accredited, right? So, a okay. little bit of a bifurcated strategy because right now it's just the the three percent of Americans that make two hundred grand a year or have a net worth of a million, excluding their home, right? Yep. Knowing yep. that yep. ideally by the fall we'll be at, you know we'll have all our back and forth done with the SEC and we can go to everybody, kind of a thing. So. Um, can I give you my like politician 10 things? And then we go back about being honest about what's going to have to be cut out and what that process should look like. Sure. Okay. So I love that, um, basically all things Warren Buffett. Um, unfortunately I made enough money to retire two different times in my twenties and lost it all both times. <laughs> okay. Completely lost my religion and speculation became like a 
complete convert to compound interest, Warren Buffett style investing, right? So Warren Buffett says that investing, like the way he does it is quite simple and um, that, you know, it only really takes a couple weeks to learn how to invest how he does, uh, which I think he's, you know, being a little self-deprecating there because you, you have to practice it once you learn how. But um, a couple of my gripes are I hate the way the financial industry often promotes speculative investments, um, but is so busy teaching investors, you know, regular mom and pop people that co- investing is way too complicated for you to understand. You should pay my high fees and I should decide for you. Um, those, are, those are a couple of, one, of them right off the bat. So thinking about the data that we should be going and gathering, where, where do I start? Like if I hire you guys so, and you're like, okay, so this is what we need to gather. So I'm actually, I'm actually doing this right now. So uh, do you know who, you know, James Altucher is? Of course. Yeah. So James is uh, a, a friend of mine and we've created, uh, we're, we're doing this right now Former uh, together. Former manager. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, New York Times bestseller. He's got his podcast. I think his podcast gets 250 or 300,000 downloads per episode, by the way. It's crazy. Um, but, but he and I, he, you know, he sort of liked, like, let me take a step back. I'm going to address everything you just said. Yeah. Um, the, the, the five-step process I walked through earlier. Did you know that every marketer in politics follows this? My competitor marketer, you know, if I've got two candidates running against each other, they are following this exact same uh, five-step system, right? Data, um, uh, strategy, brand, test, launch. That's the five steps, right? The every who's your favorite sports team, Jess? You like sports? You got a sports team? Yeah, I uh, I lived in L.A. during the Kobe Shaq year, so I like Lakers. Great. Every major sports team in America follows this exact same process, and their competitors do too to win championships. Uh, when the Lakers uh, are about to play a game, the first thing they do is study the data of their own past games and their future opponents, right? Then the coaches create a game plan, which is step two, the strategy plan, right? And then step three is uh the genie bus i don't know if she still owns the team but genie bus or the bus family is cleaning the arena cleaning the jerseys making sure the brand is on point having great restaurants that people like based on what the customers care about in the arena the fourth step is uh lebron and the lakers right now will go out and practice the plays they are testing plays before they play the opponent and they figure out what plays will work and what plays won't work and then they go play the game every sports team follows this five-step system every political marketing uh, every political campaign follows this five-step system uh trial attorneys i could walk through the same thing they follow this five-step system to win you know billion dollar trials million dollar you know trials whatever it is trial attorneys use the same thing uh, a doctor is using it right now to work on me. I have a rare uh, in- incurable disease, uh, and I have a doctor that is following this this formula right now to try to find a cure for my disease. Um, everybody uses it. Marketers are the 99% of marketers do not follow this process. 99% of marketers do not follow this five-step system. So if you are a business owner, and you can follow this. And by the way, every business we've worked with has grown their bottom line. The committed business owner, not the interested, the committed, has grown their bottom line. Every single one. Because they are playing an outlier infinite game that no one else is playing. None of their competitors are playing. So as it applies to you, the first thing I'd say is this. Uh, 
who is your target? Is it larger investors or is it everyday investors? Well, yeah, for the next six months, it's the 3% of Americans that have a net worth over a million bucks excluding their house, awesome. right? So I think Perfect. about our first so, our first few people who are interested, you know, once we have our paperwork, right? And they're, they're business owners who have some real estate in the portfolio, but they're not necessarily hardcore real estate guys. Yep. So uh, let's just focus on them. So first of all, I would tell you, um, I can go out and build a geographic lookalike audience in whatever geography you want to do. We just did this in New York and Chicago with Altucher for uh, a company that is a public company uh, that we wanted to, to target a marketing campaign to hopefully find people that will want to invest in the stock. So what, what I tell you is I can – in that particular data sort that we did, we were able to pull anybody that made over $250,000 a year that invests in the stock market um, that – had certain social leanings because the product that we are uh, trying to work with has it, it helps a societal problem. So we wanted to look at social leanings. So for you, you know, you said business owners. Great, I could find business owners that have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in investments and invest in stock market or invest in real estate. I can find all of that out through my data partner. Uh, again, the largest data collection company in America. And what I would be able to do is track their movements and figure out all those things. And the reason the data is so important is because you're looking for an alpha, right? The biggest uh, – the hardest part for investment companies right now is they don't have an alpha. And if you don't know what an alpha is, I didn't know until about a month ago. Uh, so this is all new to me because I'm not – uh, in the investment game until we just got into it. But the alpha is what is what makes you stand out so that people want to invest in your fund. And by the way, 99% of investment companies don't have an alpha. They're all selling the same thing, maybe a different product, maybe a different investment product, but they're all selling the same pitch. So for us to say, we now can target these people, these investors, we know they're investors. When we run a digital campaign, we're not targeting anybody else. This is 100% efficiency, right? And then I want to find out where, what platforms these people are on. How do they consume their media? So with the Altucher project I'm working on right now, uh, we found out that 90% of investors in New York prefer their uh, to get their information via their marketing information via email. So now we know when we create an ad, it's got to funnel into an email because that's what they want, right? So I would try to find out what platforms these this particular demographic that you're going to go after, or what what uh, what platforms they're on, um, what motivates them, what drives them, uh, you know, all these types of things. It was and very do you, interesting. Do you do that by? Putting up a different ad to test and see if they click on it, and that lets you know what drives them? Uh, absolutely. And so what we found out was that investors we, – we, we targeted lookalike audiences in Chicago and New York. Same demographic socially, same demographic uh, age-wise, all that. And what we found was the New York investor was self-absorbed and wanted to – wanted to invest in things that made them look significant and important. The Chicago investor wanted to invest in things that made them money and they could provide for their family. That's what we found in the data. Those are two very different messages we would have to convey in our testing process. Does that make sense? Yep. Great. And that's why understanding the data is so important. One little miss and you could be wasting lots of money, right? So so what I would say is we would have to find all of that. That's all in the step. Then I would want to draft a plan that said 
here is your demographic. Here's what motivates them. Here is how I would approach this. Here's your timeline. Here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to brand it. Here, you know, like with James, we went out and said, let's go create a video. So we created uh, – It's this video is completely insane. Uh, the My videographer uh, is a Hollywood movie maker, uh, and he works for me. And so we worked with him, and we created an unbelievable video. But it, everything in the video was – focused on what the data gave us back right now we haven't launched this yet we're still in in this phase of we haven't tested it so we're uh we're getting lawyers to approve it that's another thing for you i'd tell you right whatever you do in oh, your yeah. marketing, we've already been that, having multiple right. compliance meetings with our securities Correct. lawyer right? right right and and i get that and i understand that because in politics i cannot put an ad out without a lawyer literally six lawyers vetting it before it goes out the door right and so my point is <clears throat> you must first Get that audience, figure out what they care about, what they value in life, the platforms they're on, uh, how they want to receive their marketing, and then you must put a plan together. Uh, a can really I, can I pause you for one second? This Absolutely. idea – I mean I'm just fascinated by this stuff. So this idea of finding out how they wanted to receive their marketing, is this like a multiple choice thing on a website? Would you prefer email? Would you prefer text message? Would you prefer – Social, like what? What does that look like when you're asking? Correct. Them? Yes, yes. So what we do two things. The vast majority of it is we track their movements online. So it's not what they say; it's what they do. Okay. The other is yes, we intersperse uh, surveys in appropriate places that we believe they will take uh, the survey, uh, and maybe to watch a video that they've clicked on, so they have a motivation to take it, um, and that sort of thing. So yeah, we we do surveys interspersed throughout. Okay, sorry for the tangent. Game on. No, it's okay. So we now have we now know how all these people act and feel and where they are. We now don't need to put a plan together to show you what we want to do to get there. We need to brand. So I would take your uh, – what's the name of your company? Uh, it's called Greystoke. Great. Greystoke. Uh, I would have a video on there. And the video that when someone comes to your website, the first thing they need to they're, – they're looking for information. They're obviously curious, right? Your video meta, better feed into everything the data tells you about that customer or client, right? It's a client um, or investor, right? And so you so, – you know, quick, quick question you about that. Give a Sorry. Testimony, you could give a hype video. It yeah. just depends on what the data tells you. I don't know. Well, and I know uh, I'm interrupting, but – yeah, go ahead. What, what's your opinion of – I mean is that the first thing people should see? They get to graystokeinvestments.com. Do you think that's the first thing because it has the highest chance for that emotional connection and like you said, the difference that makes the difference? Right. But what do you do in the first three to five seconds of that video to keep them watching? Okay. Right? So with – <laughs> Project with Altucher, we showed the product in work because the product is freaking insane. Like if you saw this product, mm. you would go, oh my god. Like literally the first, those are the three words that would come out of your mouth if you saw this product. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm, this isn't like fake hype or anything. In fact, yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you after this podcast. Okay. Um, but the point is, is that you must – Grab their attention immediately and then intersperse. Then you got to educate them. So the video has to follow a formula that, you know, uh, fits the way that the brain of that investor is going to engage them, educate them, keep them engaged, uh, sh show social proofs of the video I'm doing with Altucher. This, the CEO of this company has gone on, you know, um, uh, CNBC and Fox Business. And so we, we intersperse things like that. We have headlines that say, 
uh, this, you know, the stock is, is going to be huge in 2020. Uh, you know, we put the symbol on there throughout. So people, all of a sudden the investors like, Oh, 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 this is a, this is a, a stock, right? So there are all these little nuances we put in there, but it all came back to what the data told us. Everything is, <clears throat> and we're only going to focus in on the New York investors. So the whole thing is, oh, it's important. These people were on TV. Oh my God, this product's really smart. Oh, I'm smart. I want everybody to know I'm smart. I want to recommend a smart product and that they can invest in. So everything went around the psychology of that investor, and we found that out by tracking what they do. And so now we're putting together all these funnel systems. But for you, like I said, after you've done the branding, yeah, you may want to test a few things out um, on the messaging side, right? You may want to test uh, certain demographics, maybe under 50, maybe over 50, um, you know, you can skin the cat a thousand different ways. It, it all depends on what the data tells you. And then once you've done that test and you found out what is really working, um, then it's it's a full scale launch, and and that's how we'll approach it. Yeah, I love it. Well, sounds like maybe we need to have another. Sounds like maybe we need to have another. Yeah, the full scale launch is like uh, the legs of an octopus, right? Uh, when I say full scale launch, it's not like you push a button and then customers come out. No, the the it's the re, it's the retargeting pools. Like, okay, now we're getting these people to click. Why did they click? They were obviously interested. Now, once they click. Dude, I can track them everywhere they go from that point forward. I, I can be relentless to them, right? Uh, and we can, you know, obviously if they go to your website, we, we put a cookie on your website and, um, and then we can track them everywhere they go. And then we're constantly like learn more about how you can get, you know, passive income without doing any work or whatever it is that, you know, that your message would say, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, you know, obviously you're going to get people into that funnel from that. Yeah. Well, um, maybe, maybe final, final thing here is once you've got the message and it comes to getting it out, do you have any philosophy or any maybe soundbite here, you know, looking at how often you get in the media, major media publications you know, Gary Vee, James Altucher, Peter Diamantis, these, like, you obviously figured out what your message was, and then you, then you went out there on your launch, and, uh, and I'm seeing pictures of people holding your book. Can you talk about just maybe one little bit of, okay, what about getting to those, those top people who are gatekeepers to large audiences? Well, I, I've, I'm everything. I, I won't do. I won't be in business unless I can find an outlier that makes me unique in the marketplace. I, I, that's all I really care about. And so, I don't think you probably ever heard of a guy that is running marketing campaigns for Fortune 200 companies for small businesses for startups that comes to the world of politics. Is that fair? Yeah. Great. I'm the only one. I wrote a book called Fire Them Now, The Seven Last Digital Marketers Sell because I went out and interviewed 100 CEOs before I wrote the book. And they came back with – with, uh, I condensed down the seven lies that they were told. All 100 CEOs had fired a marketing agency at some point in their business life cycle, all of them. Why? What were the unique characteristics? And when they told me, I started laughing. I said, that would never fly in politics. Like we don't work that way. Like if you work with me, the first month you work with me has a money back guarantee. Uh, every every month after that is uh, I have a month to month contract. You can fire me at any time if I'm not producing. You can fire me. I'm I'm good with that. And where is my mindset if I have a month to month contract rather than a 12 month contract? <laughs> my mindset is I better freaking perform every month for these guys or I'm out of business. <laughs> I put the onus on the business owner succeeding first. 
because in politics, that's all I've ever done. I put the politician first, and then once the politician wins, I can leverage it and make more money. And, be more and so do you have like a team that's reaching out to Gary V's team saying, hey, here's a guy that doesn't, you know, here's a guy that stands out. Can we get in? No, how does that work? I'm, no, I did it. Okay. Uh, I did it with Peter, with Jay Abraham, with uh, Alt Tucher, with um, uh, yeah. I mean, no. Um, the the I did work um, um, with a podcasting booker, but they mainly booked me on smaller podcasts that didn't have much reach, and I kind of learned that lesson, you know, mm -hmm. when the book came out. Um, I do have a brand manager in my company that just runs all of my brand stuff, so uh, she and I worked together to identify podcasts that we think um, we have a unique message and could, you know, be an outlier for them, like you, and then we reach out and say, hey, you actually have a really cool podcast. This kind of fits my brand is there a connection with you? And then if there is, then we go on. Love it. So well, I would say find an outlier, find uh, media outlets or influencers that would fit that outlier and then go at them directly. And by the way, uh, offer, I think, you know, like I said, like offer to do more things. I think our, my brain manager and I know myself, like we went out and gave you five-star reviews before we even pitched you. Uh, you know, we listened to your podcast to figure out if it's a good fit. Um, we try to do a few things up front that says, hey, look, we, we gave a little. Are you interested in having this conversation? And some people love that. Some people don't. You're going to strike out. I strike out all the time. I'm, you know, Joe Rogan got – I got pitched to Joe Rogan, um, and they he, – he considered it. And then he said, nah, not right now. Yeah. I didn't get it. Joe Rogan's the biggest podcast in the world right now. Like that would have been different for me. But yeah, yeah. That's okay. it's not a good fit for him right now. We'll keep trying. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, for um, anybody who missed the, the first episode, can you, can you remind everybody about this audit that you guys are willing to do for people who are interested? Yeah, yeah. So we created this free marketing audit. Go to philipstutz.com. I think it's backslash audit. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. Um, and it's it takes you five minutes. If you're a business owner, fill it out. Um, we, it's your publicly available digital footprint. My team will spend two or three business days pouring over everything that you filled out. We'll produce a 25-point checklist, 79-page report about the things you're doing right and the things you can improve. And then we'll do a 30-minute consultation call to walk through the report and answer any questions you have. If you feel like that's uh, super interesting and you want to come and be committed and work with us, I'm I'm always open to that. If you just want to take it and implement it on your own, I think that's awesome too. I love it. Well, thanks for making time for this. We really appreciate it. Hey, it was great. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Okay, how was that? Yeah, that's great. We're we're uh, we're off now. Uh, this yeah. is really fun, and um, and I actually would like to stay in contact. Um, yeah, man. Love we're that. we're uh, raising several million dollars just for our startup cash at the at the management company before we actually raise the fund. And then I'm building in a 3% marketing fee into the fund. So we were likely to kind of have the horsepower. To, you know, my last fund was just a little mini fund. We raised like $27 million to go buy these companies, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but this time I hired a CEO to come work for us founders. Um, my, it's my buddy who's been in REITs since like 2001. The last REIT he just left is a $2 billion REIT. He's over at a $30 billion firm right now. Right, and, and so, like, we've got a real shot this time of uh, maybe um, doing something big here, um, and uh, I so I've been a salesman my whole life, 
got my first sales job when I was 15. All I did is sell when I was investment banking, when I was CEO and just top sales guy, you know, and about, yeah. I don't know, eight years ago, I realized, man, if I learned marketing, maybe I wouldn't have to sell so much, you know? <laughs> right. So I've been this closet marketing nerd um, reading, you know, I think I've read uh, 900 audiobooks in the last 10 years. My Lord. Yeah. And obviously interviewing, you know, 300 something interviews of all these other people trying to learn from, right? And I, I really try to find people who are exceptional at something. And so we've got, we've got some different folks that we've been gathering for the team here. But your approach to the, to the data angle is really interesting. You know, for 10 years, we've run a charity called Child Rescue that combats child sex trafficking. Yeah, I looked at That's amazing. I, I was looking through that this morning, uh, preparing for the, for the pod. So that's insane. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great hobby. And uh, I don't know, kind of the best thing I feel like I could use my life up on, right? So one of the people we've worked with that specifically, like I went to Florida and got trained on a software for um, hunting people who are trading, trading. So like I'm a police trainer, I can train cops on a certain software that shows who's sharing child porn online, right? Jesus. So that company got started by one of the, by the CEO of one of the largest data collection companies in the world. So I kind of got a little bit of a look behind the curtain of what gets gathered out there. And obviously there's a lot of like um, temptations for people to do not so awesome stuff with that kind of data, but uh, for me, I'm like a little less worried about the, we didn't really talk about politics, but I was actually really interested to find out your Repu Republican leanings because yeah. I hang out with tons of liberals and it drives me nuts sometimes because we have so many friends like Hollywood folks and New York folks. And, and, uh, we, I, I hosted a Forbes show on impact investing. And so it's all like, you know, hyper left people that we were working with at least. And I feel like we should have this other conversation for, I always have this idea of like get rich and help bring some coolness to the Republicans because they, they could use some cool. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, my, my point though is your access to data and just you having put in the meaningful repetitions to parse it and understand what it means and understanding what tests could help you draw the lessons out of it is, is super interesting to us at Greystoke. So. Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, if you want, I'm happy to kind of show you what this looks like, the data report. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if I can scrub one that we did. We've done two now for investors to yeah. try to understand the investor market for two publicly traded companies. Um, the one I told you just about on the interview and then we did another one. So, um, And I think what James and I are going to do is uh, prove the model and then create a hedge fund and solicit um, investments for it. Yeah. And this is our alpha. So um, that's that's kind of what we do. But maybe, I will send maybe, you. Yeah, uh, maybe we could set up a call and uh, I could grab a couple of my partners and we could have a look at what you've been doing and kind of get the rest of the team to kind of uh, understand a little bit about your approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't I uh, follow up with you? I don't, I don't know if I have your email. You, you guys, your team has mine. So if you just want to follow up with me on email and then what I'll do is I'll respond back and I'll send you a sample of what this looks like. Um, and it's, it's badass. Like yeah. if, if you're a, I'm a data nerd, so it's just so cool. Like I pour over these documents for all our clients. It's my, probably my favorite thing to do. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're early enough on that. Um, we're early enough on that we haven't gotten married to any messaging or anything yet. You know what I mean? Like in these first, in this first year, we're just going to gather a war chest 
for how we're going to message when we actually launch the REIT itself, you know? Yeah. So um, this might be really ideal timing for us to, to uh, yeah. look at what you guys are doing. Well, like I said, follow, uh, shoot me an email, and then I will, um, I'll send you a sample. You can review it. With yeah, your... yeah. And I'd love to see that video that you're doing. Um, I'm, a, I'm such a believer in video. We went and bought, like, do you know RED cameras? Like, uh, uh, red cameras? No. Uh. -uh. So it's it's like the camera they shoot like Lord of the Rings on and Guardians of the Galaxy and just uh -huh. like there's there's two major camera there's only two giant digital camera companies in Hollywood it's Ari and Red and so oh, they're just, oh, oh Red yeah 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 sorry you know yes, they're like absolutely. tens of thousands yeah of, yeah, yeah, yeah so yes, like I I personally fast. own a Red camera and we've got drones you? and we What'd yeah you like pay? like thirty five thousand fifty thousand for it yeah they're not cheap uh, no they're not I we know. we are real nerds for creating enough of an emotional connection to get someone to make a decision. And I feel like video is the number one thing, you it know? Is. So we've right. got like, you know, former counterintelligence agents for the FBI. We've got CIA guys that are all these people who joined because of child rescue that then we <laughs> get their help on the uh, sure. business side too. Right. And so anyways, I just, I, I think you really do have unique insight and I'd love to kind of explore things further i'd love to see the video your james altucher video you know yeah i'll, just I'll, I'll or whatever. put it to you on one condition this is obviously uh not not uh i cannot um you cannot share this yeah, yeah like yeah. it's totally this is for your eyes and i just ask that you respect my my wish on that and i'm happy yeah, completely. to show it to you uh and um yeah but uh that's we're working through this right now we're in the legal process right now just kind of finishing it up but um i'll send it over shoot me an email i'll send you the link and then i'll uh, shoot you a, a sample report um of what we what we've done um and then uh i have one one ask of you if it's yeah, not yeah. too much you know any other uh, interesting podcasts or business owners that you think are looking for something like that. I, I'll always love the ability to kind of expand uh, and, and continue to tell the story. Yeah, so if you have you know, that you... you know one that I would bring up, do you know uh, Matt Bodner? Do you know his show? What's the name of the show? Ah, crap. Let me give me one second. Um, oh, okay. Science of Success podcast. So he is, uh, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, again, there's like, 600,000 podcasts out there. Most of them yeah. have like five episodes, right? <laughs> right. No, he, he's like a committed guy. He's got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of downloads. Like he's, he's at least million plus like us. And, yeah. but he is a professional investor. He, he builds uh, restaurant franchises and has like, like he's bought more than 25 companies himself. He just happens to be a real learning nerd. That's why he does his podcast, you know? Um, but he, he's one that I think you could be a natural fit for because he is, just from like a philosophical point of your interest in data, you guys will completely get along. Um, and then again, he's, you know, he was a Forbes 30 under 30. Like he's got enough credibility. He's actually probably yeah. going to bring you something. That's the first guy that would jump out at me. I would think. you be willing to make an intro? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm, I'm happy to, uh, I've sent him a couple people in the past that he's, he's put on. So cool. That'd be amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Listen, this is great. I know we went a little over time. Thanks, thanks for that. Ah, you're uh, good. Let's stay in touch. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here to help, and I'll uh, shoot me an email, and I'll follow up with you on everything we discussed. Great. Thanks so much. All right. See you. Bye.